<laughs> okay. Hello. Can you hear me? All right. Let's try again. <laughs> okay. So, um, as I said, encountering to meet someone suddenly, unexpectedly. But my point was that with Jesus, he wants to encounter us. We need to learn to look for him, to expect him. You know, the Bible says that if we seek after him with all of our heart, we'll find him. It says if we ask, he's going to answer. If we are looking for him, he is excited to commune and meet with us. And so while an, ex, an, an encounter can be unexpected or sudden, I want to challenge you that during this weekend and as we talk about encountering him and meeting with him and getting closer to him, that we would be earnest in our pursuit and that we would be in the place where we are committed and devoted to not just waiting like I ran into my friend in, in Dubai, not waiting for Jesus to come looking for me, that we'd go looking for him, that we'd be searching and looking around every corner and hoping and wanting and asking to meet with him in the most unusual places. How many of you can say you've prayed in the most unusual place that you can think of, right? Like we've cried out to God, usually in our need. But what about this week just focusing on praising him in an unusual place? Or just communing with him. Just making an earnest and new and fresh and revived effort to be with Jesus more just because you want to. You know, I'm sure a lot of you have kids I'm not privileged to have given birth to any of my own, but I love kids. And the one thing I wish I could have given my husband is a child of our own, but I can't have kids. But I love kids. And I love when kids get excited just to hang out with me. You know? And, and any of you that are grandmas, you know. Right? It's the most exciting thing in the world when your grandkids want to hang out with you. It's like Christmas for us. And, and I want to submit to you that that's how God feels when we choose him. And I'm going to share a little bit more about that throughout our time together. But I want you to realize that you may feel like you're a headache to God or disappointment to him, or less than in some way, because most women do. And I want you to know you're not alone. It's universal for women. Every culture, every place I've ever been, we can always tell you what's wrong with us. We can very rarely tell something good. It's one of the curses, I think. <laughs> but that's not how God feels. And I hope that this weekend you're going to see that in a whole new way. And you're going to be encouraged and inspired and really, really grasp how much Jesus likes encountering you. Amen? Okay. Today our session is simple, but not simple. 
simple in the sense of what do you open something as big as our theme, encountering the king. As I thought about that, I was like, okay, Lord, <laughs> where do I go from here? How do I explain something so big? And, and it took me some time, took me a lot of prayer, but I really feel like what he wants us to focus on tonight is the fact that we encounter the supreme King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen? And I want us to really think about who he is. I'm going to share with you the theme verse, and I ask you if you have your Bible to open with me to Revelation chapter 19. And we're going to look at verses 11 to 16. And this is the, the verse I like to think of as Jesus as my knight in shining armor. And your knight in shining armor. The, the time of the tribulation has passed. We have been there, swept away in the presence of the king. All the judgment is done, and he has something to say to us. And here's, I want you to just close your eyes, even if you've read this a thousand times. I want you to think about for a second, whatever you know about end times, think about it being the, the tribulation is past, all the devastation is all around you, and you've made it. Whatever your theology is, post or pre or mid or whatever, it's all over. And it's you, and here comes the King of kings and the Lord of lords on a white horse. And this is what it says. Heaven opened up, and behold, a white horse. And the one who sat on the horse was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed in a robe that was dipped, sorry, a robe of fine linen, white and clean, following, followed him on a white horse's. Sorry, let me try that again. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is, sorry, let me go back because somehow I, I skipped down to the wrong verse. I'm very sorry. I saw heaven open and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on the horse was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself tread the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. 
and he has his robe, and on his thigh is a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There is your Jesus, your Savior, on a white horse, in a robe dipped in blood, with many crowns on his head. He is the supreme, omnipotent, one and only leader of this entire world, creator of this entire world. And I don't know about you, but as today and over the last week or so, as I've just been meditating on him as our supreme leader, I've had going through my mind all the titles and names of God. And I want to ask you right now to just shout out from wherever you're sitting, what is a name of God that you know of? Jehovah Jireh, healer, rock, Yahweh, Jehovah Sick Canoe. <laughs> I'm sorry? Jehovah Nisi. Al Shaddai, Counselor, Emmanuel, Teacher, Prince of Peace. I know there are thousands of names, thousands of titles. None of them in and of itself is enough to describe him, right? And I tried today as I was, I was sitting down and thinking about this, thinking about encounters and thinking about Jesus as the supreme being, and I was trying to just summarize, and there was no way I could, no way. And so I just said, Lord, how on earth can I encourage my sisters? How can I say he is the supreme, the supreme one, the first? What, what, what way can... Um, set our hearts on fire for him? What will set the tone for what we're going to do this weekend in meeting with you? And, and it's a real simple little um, illustration, I guess, is the best way that I can explain what he gave me. But I hope that what will happen as we think this through is you will be challenged to open your not understanding because we'll never fully understand him until we see him, but your vision and your um, respect and your desire for God and your, um, I, I, I'm not even sure that I know the right word to describe it, but I'm just trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to show it to you because I remember my pastor's wife said to me years ago, she said, the greatest thing that we can ever do to know our king better is to start a journal that's just between us and the Lord. And she said, I like to organize mine alphabetically. But she said, I start and I put down every title of God, every way that he reveals himself to me. If I learn about God as my advocate, 
I put that under A. And I write down a scripture or some way to remind me. And she's been doing this for, gosh, she's been a believer for maybe six years. I'm not even sure how long. Long time. But she said to us, girls, please, someday, someday, we might suffer persecution. We might not have Bibles. We might not have all of the things that we're so used to. We need to know him. And we need to be purposeful and intentional about knowing him. Because when everything is said and done, if our relationship with God is the key, then the most important thing is what we know about the one our soul loves. And she said, you know, you think about when you fell in love with your husband and how you just wanted to know everything about him. You couldn't stop talking about him. He was everything that that you thought about, talk about. You know, he was your whole world. And she said, is Jesus your whole world? Is Jesus your whole world, ladies? When we think of him as king of kings, and we're going to talk more about that. That's what this whole session is about. But when you think about him as your savior, however you relate to him most, can you say in the depth of your heart that you've grown in your intimacy today? Because that's what every day is about. That's what this retreat needs to be about. It's not just encountering him and then letting it pass. It's not just encountering him and picking up a little tidbit and growing a little. It's so much more. His desire is that we would know him in the deepest place in our heart so well that if we were blind, if we were in some sort of huge accident and we forgot everything else in the world, it would not be possible for us to forget him. Amen? And, and that may sound silly or extreme or fanciful, whatever. I don't know what you might think about it, but it's the truth. And that's why we're here. We're here to know Jesus better. Amen? And, and so here's what the Lord spoke to my heart and what I want to hopefully inspire you with. But um, I remembered, if any of you like old hymns, but I had in my, my mind, I was, my daughter was laughing at me because I was saying, do you remember this song, this hymn? And um, I had in my mind this old hymn that we used to sing when it was communion days. And it was uh, one of those songs that you kind of molded with another song. And, and um, the song went like this, immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes, most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise, holy Lord, most holy Lord. Just because I wanted to start thinking about all the ways I know him as supreme. Does anybody remember that old hymn? And, and I just thought, 
if I think of him as the king of kings, as the Lord of lords, as a supreme being in all the earth, the scripture tells me this about him. And this is in no way exhaustive, but I want you to just close your eyes for a minute. And I want to ask you, please, this is not at all my, like, trying to show you how much I know. No, I want to provoke you and stir you up. And hopefully, as you close your eyes and I say these words, the Holy Spirit of God is going to tell you hundreds of others. Your own heart is going to be stirred as you think of him as supreme. I want you to picture him with a crown, with a scepter, as at his inaugurational speech, if that helps you. I want you to see him over all, not just on a white horse, but ruling the entire universe, ordering the stars. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. He's Alpha and Omega. He's omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is love. He is gracious and compassionate, abounding in mercy. He is the creator and the sustainer of life. He is the all in all. He is the becoming one. He is the king of glory. He is the only wise potentate. He's slow to anger and rich in mercy. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's the one who holds our breath in his hands. He's the one dwelling place for all generations from everlasting to everlasting. He alone is God. He is so great, and his power makes his enemies cringe. Ascribe power to our God. Majesty is over the one of Israel, and his power fills the universe and the skies. He's the firstborn over all creation. By him, all things were created, and he is before all things. In him, all things are held together. He is the head of the body, and he's the beginning. He's the firstborn of the dead. And in everything, he has preeminence. Who is like him? Who is like him? He's the designer of DNA. <laughs> he knows the name of every star. And he knows the number of hairs on your head and my head. This supreme God, you can open your eyes. This supreme God, this ruler over all, this king of kings, this one who is and was and will always be, 
the thing that's more important to him than anything else in the world is you. You. And I know for me, I think, no way. <laughs> there has to be something else that's more important to him. I'm sure Christina's more important to him than me. But it's you. It's you. And that doesn't fit in our finite mind. And that's uncomfortable for us in some ways. But it's 100% true. And here's what I know. A number of years ago, I was going through a, a difficult season in my life. And I don't know if this ever happens to you, but sometimes when I'm going through a difficulty and, and I'm kind of being stubborn, God will minister to me through song. Does that happen to anybody else? And, and sometimes I'll just remember a song and it'll kind of wash over me. Other times I'll hear a song and it's like the words come to me for the first time and lots of different ways. Sometimes a song is what lifts my heart. God inhabits the praises of his people. And so often song is the way that God will speak to us or reveal himself to us. And this particular day, I heard a song that is by a singer that, that's a little bit controversial in some Christian circles, but, but um, this song is called Do You Know the Way You Move Me? And the song is actually a, a play on how God feels about us. And, and the song says all kinds of things. I actually wrote the words down because I wanted to share a little bit of it with you, but... but um, the part that spoke to me, and I hope will bring this home in your heart, goes like this. It says, um, well, actually, I want to back up a little bit because it says the, the song is, is explaining how God feels when we pray in the midst of difficulties and what he feels when we make what some Christians call contrary choices, or when we die to ourselves, when we do the more difficult thing. Everyone else is saying, yeah, fight back, and God's saying to us, please show love, and we choose to show love. And this is how the song goes. It says, it says I saw you when everyone was crying out to you and saying to you, go the other way. And you said, no, I want to show love. I want to show love. And then this is, this is the way that it says he responds when he sees us doing that. It says, I said, angels, oh, angels, look and see. In the dark night, sorry, angels, oh, angels, look and see. In that dark night of faith, she's still loving me. And it says, and he spins around wildly like a bridegroom rejoicing over a bride. She said yes. She said yes. And, and it's not important what my personal trial was, but I want you to think about that. 
That's how the creator of the universe, the most supreme being in the whole world, feels. When you're in your most difficult moment and you choose the way of love, he spins around wildly. That's a direct quote of a scripture. Like a bridegroom rejoicing over a bride. She said yes. She said yes. So this God, this king that we're going to be talking about, this retreat is so personal. How is that possible? This potentate. When I think about the President of the United States, the Prime Minister of Britain, the President of South Sudan where I live, I think these are men of power. They don't even know my name. But the King of all the world knows yours and knows the number of hairs on your head and you have the ability to make him spin around wildly like a bridegroom rejoicing over a bride <laughs> you have the ability to bring happiness to the heart of god joy and rejoicing to the heart of god It makes me so happy when my grandkids laugh and I make them smile. I mean, I, you know, if you have grandkids, right? It makes you so happy in the inside. You feel like, I am just going to explode. That's how God feels about you and me. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir. You didn't come to this retreat to hear something that simple, and that's not why we're here. But I feel like the Lord wants you to know how important to him this is. I've, I've had the privilege of standing in front of women in so many different cultures And the one thing I know is that the battleground for us is right here, between our ears. Because what happens up here affects what we say. It affects what we do. It affects our outlook on life. It radically affects our faith, right? I mean, we're great at condemning ourselves. We are great at telling you all the reasons that we should be disqualified from our faith. And he's up there spinning around wildly. And there's another beautiful line in that song that I just have to share with you because it says that when he sees us, it says that we are awesome, like an army with banners. And if any of you have ever seen a movie like Braveheart, 
and I know that's not the greatest movie, I'm not a proponent of movies, but if you've ever seen a movie like Braveheart, you have an idea of that moment when there's thousands of people on the field and all of a sudden over the hill comes the Calvary with these large banners declaring our allegiance. That's how Jesus sees little old me, little old you. When you're standing there in front of the mirror, having that argument with your husband that you've lost a thousand times, and in your heart, you say, God, please, I can't do it again. I want to do it the right way. I want to do it the right way. He sees you like the most incredible army, so organized with these beautiful banners saying, here I am in the name of Jesus. He sees you as victorious, more than a conqueror. And because he's God, because he's the supreme one, he gets to say that, whether we like it or agree with him or not. And there's one more line in that song that I want to share with you. It says, turn away from me. Your eyes, they overwhelm me. And I prayed, I was like, what does that even mean, God? I've read that before in Song of Solomon. What does that actually mean? Why would God turn away from us? And I meditated and prayed and here's what I feel like he showed me. As I told you, I never gave birth to any kids, but I have my beautiful daughter that's here with me, Jennifer, and my son, Wesley, and I have two others that are actually my nieces. And I love them, love them to pieces. And my one daughter, her name is Allie, beautiful redhead, and she's a little slow, and she's had some struggles in her life and feels extremely insecure. And the Lord showed me that on those moments when she's looking at me and her little lip starts to quiver because she's going to cry because she's overwhelmed, by the trial in her life and the struggle that's in front of her. But her heart wants to do the right thing, and she's scared. She's not going to make it. And I'm looking at her knowing that this is it. If she's going to try, it's done. She's going to make it. She's going to win. It's going to be amazing what God is going to do for her. Because I know God's going to work on her behalf. But I don't want to cry. I want to be joyful. I want to be strong. And so as her little lips quivering, 
I got to turn my eyes away because I know God's going to do something amazing. And I don't want her to see me cry or smile as if I'm mocking at her. I want to give her all the support I can. And you, my sister, my co-laborer in Christ, my fellow warrior who is here, what are you facing that your bottom lip is quivering? (laughs) And you've maybe been at this battle a thousand times before, and honestly, maybe you failed. I have some of those. I'm sure Christina would say she has some. We all do. And we're standing before God. And our little lip is quivering because we want with every ounce that we have to do the right thing, but we're so scared we're not going to make it. He never turns his eyes away because he thinks we're not going to make it. His heart is exploding inside. And he wants to burst out in song. He wants to prophesy. He wants to say things just like he wanted to say to Habakkuk that he knew Habakkuk couldn't believe. And he knows maybe we can't believe. Ladies, this word chosen is written all around here. And I was so glad that Christina picked out that word because that's the word that God kept giving me. You were chosen by God. And I don't know when the last time you really thought about that was, but I want to challenge you tonight as we take time and worship in a little bit, as we, we, Christina has a beautiful, beautiful example for us, and we're going to have some real practical things we can do in front of that cross. She has some scriptures for us. I really want to challenge you to ask the Lord to show you what it means to be chosen by this King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Because if you have your Bible, will you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2? And I know I've been a little bit all over, but I I am going to land right here, I promise. Bear with me with all my little stories. And I want you to look at verse 9. And I'm sorry about my reading thing. I actually fell a little over a year ago, and I see double. <laughs> so it's not on purpose. I just, like, see different. I'm, I'm trying real hard not to. So if you see me close one eye, that's why. <laughs> um, okay. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Um, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special treasure, his own special people, so that you might proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but you are now the people of God. You once had not obtained mercy 
but now you have obtained mercy. I'll bet all of you have heard that verse before. I'll bet all of us have been to retreats about that verse before. I know it's not anything new or earth-shattering. But I challenge you today to let it sink into your heart that this supreme king who could have anything or anyone, he could create something new if he wanted to. The one who knows the number of hairs on your head, he knows every mistake you've ever made and every mistake you're going to make. He chose you. And he chose you because he wants to make you a holy woman of God, a royal daughter of his majesty and splendor. I had the privilege a number of years ago of sharing a retreat about being a chosen one of God with some women in, in Uganda. And <laughs> it was real sweet because I asked them, they were translating in their own dialect. It's a dialect I don't know very well. And um, a group of people that just love Jesus. And, and I remember the way that you said his own special treasure was Danoma Ping. And the translator was translating the verse, and he said that. And I was like, ladies, you are Danoma Ping. And that was like our saying for the entire weekend. And to this day, when I go to that village and I speak to one of those women, they'll say, Danoma Ping. And that's what they call me. That's how they greet me. <laughs> And it's the sweetest thing because these particular women are what they call IDPs, which stands for an internally displaced person. And they were moved from their village because a man named Joseph Kony terrorize their family. Some of them had their own children right in front of them slaughter their family members. They have suffered horrific tragedy. Tragedy that you and I can probably never even imagine. But what they know is that in Jesus they're chosen. They're his special treasure. That out of all the people in Uganda, they were chosen by God. And it's changed their life. Understanding that, holding on to that one little nugget of truth has radically changed the way they walk with God. And what I want to challenge you in tonight and hopefully this weekend, as you see that word chosen, I hope that your heart starts to stir and you start to think, that's me. Because God never does anything arbitrarily or by mistake or without some great purpose, right? 
We see that all throughout the scripture. Every single story we read points to him, points to who he is, points to salvation, points to something incredible. The Bible is like the most incredible um, revelation or treasure hunt or unveiling that mankind has ever seen. And if he's that specific about all these things, how much more specific is he about you? If you are the most important thing on his agenda. That's hard for a lot of women. It's hard for me. Because I don't feel very important. I don't feel very worthy. But it doesn't change it being true. And what this weekend is about is about opening our understanding to who we are in God's eyes in light of what God says. And I want you to just think for a second. If you were with me in Uganda and you wanted to encourage these women, if you were teaching with me about being this chosen, special treasure of God, a holy woman set apart for God's exclusive use, a royal daughter of the king with an eternal purpose, what would you tell them? Just think in your mind, like, what would be the most important thing you want to say to them? And would anybody be brave enough just to raise their hand and tell us? <laughs> it doesn't have to be life-changing, but, like, what would you want them to hear? He died for them. What else? He loves them. He loves them. What do you think could be the, like, eternal purpose that God might say, you're my chosen person. I have something in your future. He said, I gave you a future and a hope, right? Y'all know Jeremiah 29. What do you think that hope might be? What would you want to communicate to these women? He's got a plan for their life. What else would you want to say? Try to be specific. I mean, just be crazy because God is like that. He's extravagant, right? I mean, God is way more extravagant than me.
beautiful. She said, I would like to say to them how good our God is and how he has a plan for us and he wants to put us, bring us all together so he can reveal that to us and reveal his love to us, right? Did I miss anything you said? Wonderful. What else? He answers prayer. We've already won. His love and his plan for you are between you and him, yes? You are never alone. Amen. Even our trials, we're never alone, and it's going to be our testimony later. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Your name is engraved on his hands. They are God's masterpiece. He's clothing you close to his heart, and he's holding you tight. He will provide for us. Okay, thank you. You guys are awesome. Those are great. Do you realize, sisters, that he wants to say that and even more to you, not just right now, not tonight, not just every day, every day. And I'm going to be really bold and tell you what I told them. He knows, this is what I said to them, ladies, he knows how desperately you want your children to be able to go to school. He knows that you think the only way, the only way to escape this tragedy and to overcome and to heal is for your kids to go to school and leave this God-forsaken place. But I want to tell you, that our God is a God of redemption. And redemption means that he's able to take something that's worthless and bad and horrible and turn it around and make it profitable. And he's going to do something that amazes you. He's going to do a miracle, a miracle in your children's lives. And if you will just trust him, if you will just trust him, he is going to turn this around and you are going to look back and thank him for every difficulty that you've ever gone through. And their mouths hit the floor. I'm a, a white lady who in their minds is rich. I've never suffered I've never gone through what they've gone through. It sounded pretty arrogant, right? I've been in Africa a long time, ladies, and I, I wouldn't have said that five, five minutes in, but, but you know what? It's true. And I have seen women who've fallen in love with Jesus, who have embraced the fact that they are chosen by God and that they were chosen even for their difficulty. 
And if they were standing and testifying, as simple as their lifestyle is, each one of us would be weeping because of the intimacy they share with Jesus today. And the only difference is they said yes. And they weren't afraid to say, I'm glad I'm chosen, and I want more. In Christ, ladies, in his presence, in front of the king of kings, it's not like the Christmas tree <laughs> where we have to tell our kids, okay, enough. There's always more. There's always deeper. There's always richer. There's always fuller. There's always more of him. He's inexhaustible. And his heart for you and me. I know some of you came in here with heavy burdens. Like I felt that day. I can actually tell you the day. It was in 2012. <laughs> I don't remember the exact month, but it was in 2012. And my heart had shattered in about a million pieces, it felt like. And I felt like I wondered, God, am I ever going to recover? If you've ever had this happen, you'll understand. But we had been, my husband and I, working very closely with a brother in Africa. He was a pastor, and just we loved him as if he was our own family member. And we found out that he was living in an adulterous relationship and had been lying. And we were just heartbroken. I don't know if you've all ever felt that way or had a prodigal or had a family member that went that way. It was just so painful. And I really wondered, God, am I going to be able to love people? Am I going to question everybody now? Am I going to be looking like, oh, yeah, i got to check their life and see if they're doing the same thing. I don't want to be deceived twice. That's not what it's about. You know that. I know that. But that's our reaction when we're hurt, isn't it? God is in the business of redemption. I heard the most beautiful explanation from a pastor. He said that he was invited to a prayer meeting. And he had been known for having the prophetic gift. And so the pastor who invited him said, Brother, you know, while we're praying together, if the Lord reveals anything to you, please share it with us. We want to hear what God had said. So a few minutes into the prayer meeting, this brother gets a vision. And his vision is of the assistant pastor with a knife stabbing the pastor in the back. And of course, everyone who hears it does just exactly what you did. I did the same thing, like, whoa. And he said this, and I've never forgotten this story. He said, but I've learned that whenever God brings something to light, it's for the purpose of redemption. 
And so I started to pray. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? What do I do? And he started praying, and he kept praying. And if it was me, I'd be tempted to think, well, I am not saying anything. I do not want to be the one who rains on anybody's parade. There have also been times in my life where I'd be like, well, I'm going to tell them. I mean, that's terrible. But this is what he had done because he'd been praying. When the, the meeting ended, the pastor said to him, Brother, did the Lord show you anything? And he said, Yes. And he said, I wanted to ask if the assistant pastor and you could stand up here in the midst of all the other pastors. And so the assistant pastor stands up and he stands up and he began giving a beautiful message of exhortation that the Lord had given him to this young man who was stabbing that pastor in the back. And he said, Brother, God has shown me that you have an incredible privilege. God has called you to be Aaron and her, to hold up your pastor's arms, to guard his back, to be the one who stands beside him. And he went on and on and gave a beautiful exhortation and honored the office of an assistant pastor. Everything you said was absolutely true. It's what God's heart is for an assistant pastor. And everyone in the room was so moved, was standing there thinking, God, thank you for the privilege we have of serving you. Please help me to be this kind of man who serves my pastor this way. Except for the man who was stabbing his pastor in the back. He was looking at this man in the eyes with eyes of just heartbreaking guilt. He began to weep. And of course, everyone in the room thought he was just weeping because he was so humbled and overwhelmed by this privilege that God had given him. Only the man who gave that exhortation and the young man who was stabbing his pastor in the back knew the truth. Everybody else just thought it was a beautiful moment. But because God is always in the business of redemption, he was redeeming a terrible situation and making it a teachable moment and making it a moment of restoration. And here's the thing. God has chosen us for some incredible redemptive person. And everything you guys said and would say to my sisters in Uganda is 100% true. But I want you to dream big. Dream in light of redemption, in light of the fact that he's king of kings and that he said, we have the keys of the kingdom. He said, if you believe, 
in who I am, the works that I've done, you're going to do greater things than these. And I want to challenge you that as a chosen daughter, royal, we're going to see on our last session that we are going to co-reign. We are not only seated with him in heavenly places, but we are co-regents. You. You may feel like, not me, like, I'm just trying to figure out if I need cream in my coffee tomorrow morning. Like, <laughs> you. You. The king of the universe has an eternal destiny for you. And he wants it to start today. He wants you to realize that you are called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And that marvelous light means that he's given you a voice. And that voice might be to sing like Robin sings and sing for him. It may be for you to preach. It may be for you to be a, go on a missions trip, to do whatever it is that you have always wondered and dreamed. Could I ever? You know what, ladies? Like, every single person in my family is an outdoors person. I like malls and chocolate, okay? <laughs> Honestly. My brothers will tell you they laughed when I said I was going to Africa. They laughed. But I am so happy to tell you that because Jesus is so great, my baby brother came twice and spent two months in Africa serving God. And he loved it. He loved it. And my other two brothers that aren't saved, they're going to come too. Because my dad's a king. He holds their heart in his hand. And I'm not giving up. Yeah, people think I'm crazy. And I kind of am. But ladies, we need to be. We need to open our vision. We need to recognize who we are. And guys, we need to start telling each other some encouraging things. We are a people chosen by God. And we need to be intentional. And I want to challenge you in this, this weekend. I want you to ask, God, who can I minister to? 99% of us walk into church and we leave frustrated because nobody even bothered to ask me how I am. <laughs> Did we ask anybody how they were? The Bible says love people the way you want to be loved. I, I, 
have spent my whole life, and this is, this is true, and you're going to laugh, but it's true, and I just got to tell you, I am dying to make friends, and I'm awkward and shy, and I try so hard, but I really have a hard time making friends. And my mom used to say to me, if you want to be a friend, if you want to make friends, be a friend. And I have tried. I am, I'm 51 years old, and I have tried so hard to make friends. And I can count on one hand how many I have. It's hard to make friends. Girls are mean. <laughs> My daughter and I were talking about that this weekend. But we need to not be mean to each other. We need to be about encouraging each other. And there is so many ways, ladies, that God wants to use you starting tonight. You know, most of you, if I asked, do you think, you know, that God could use you? You'd be like, well, I don't know. I'm really busy. My schedule. No, I don't mean like that. I mean, you already have a testimony. And that's all you need. That is all you need to start serving. And God chose you because he has a plan for you. And it's not just all the great things he wants to do. We're going to talk about all that stuff. That's true. But he wants to use you to win souls. He wants to use you to encourage. He wants to use you to be an intercessor. Most women don't realize that they don't really fellowship. We complain, praise, pray, but we don't really fellowship. We don't open up the word of God and challenge each other. And it's so easy. I would bet that most of you read your Bibles every day. And every day God speaks to you in some way, shape, or form, gives you some encouraging promise, challenges you, convicts you. All you need to do to fellowship is share that with somebody. That's all. It's not hard. Anybody can do it. I taught my kids how to do it. And if you will do that, your life will be so much richer. You will start to walk in that regal destiny that you were chosen for. Can you say amen? amen. Because that's God's heart for you. And you are Donna Ping. <laughs> And however we would say that in the best Arizona way, you are chosen for a reason, for a reason. Expand your understanding of the King of Kings. But ladies, do it with a purpose. If any of you are in the business world, you know that you don't 
Well, okay, I can apply it to house cleaning. I know all of you have to clean your houses. You don't clean your house by a dream. You don't say, this is what I dream my clean house is going to look like, <laughs> right? And I know that sounds really ridiculous, but sometimes that's the way we look at our Christian life. Let's be honest. We need to be as practical and intentional about the kingdom of God from today onward because Satan's serious. He does a great job of discouraging. He does a great job of confusing, distracting, right? We see it in our kids all the time. What are we doing about it? How are we fighting back? And, and we can talk until the cows come home about all the beautiful ways that we meet with God and all of the attributes of God and all of those great things. Believe me, I love talking about all those things. But when are we going to do something about it? Over and over and over again, read the Gospels and ask the Holy Spirit of God to show you this. Jesus said, if you love me, do what I say. Do it. If you love me and you hear me speak to you, do what you've heard. And I'm challenging you, I hope, with love, because you don't know how much I feel in my heart for each one of you. But I promise you, I love you. It's not just lip service. I would like all of you to be my friends. So if anyone is looking for a friend, I'm your gal. But God has a work for you right now. You don't have to leave. You don't have to come to Africa, although you're all welcome. I would love you to come. But you don't have to leave your home. He has something right where you are. And he's hoping that this weekend you will be so inspired by the fact that he chose you. And you'll believe that he's equipped you because everything he asks you to do, I love the way John Corson says it. He says he is the dynamic for the demand. He is the power station for you and me. He has everything you need. You don't have to be able to do anything. All you have to be is willing. Willing. And he'll do the rest. And if every one of us in this room took this message to heart, imagine what the world we live in would be like. Imagine what our church would be like, what our community would be like, what would happen in your family. Because the thing about serving God is it's infectious. I remember when I came back from my first um, trip as a full-time missionary to Africa. I had been gone, I think, three or four months. And I lived with a group of really beautiful Christian sisters and um 
I came home and I was so excited. I was telling him everything that happened and all the places and all the people I met and everything. And I remember my girlfriend said to me, wow, you just look like you're in love. And I said, I am. I am so in love with Jesus. And that's the key. That is the key to walking in his chosen destiny for you. If you go into any ministry or any service because you love the people or you love the idea or you love the ministry, it'll fail. (laughs) People are going to disappoint us. Our love is going to run dry. But if we go because we love God, we're going to grow. And we're going to succeed. And it is going to make a difference. Amen? Christina and, and the team that's here set aside a beautiful plan for us all to have time just to be alone with God right now. And I'm so glad because whenever there's a retreat, when there's time for that, it benefits us in so many ways. And I know I've been chatting y'all up for quite a while, but I want to say just a couple more things. Jesus is all the incredible glorious, miraculous things that you've heard and read and said and a thousand times more. He'll never disappoint you. He will always surprise you. He'll always amaze you. Sometimes you'll be frustrated. A thousand times you'll be so scared you'll want to say no. But if you'll just say yes... He will bless you and change you and use you. And honestly, he'll make you the woman you've always wanted to be. Even if right now we said, honestly, I don't even know who I want to be. I've tried to be so many things and I failed at everything. I just don't even know. That's okay. I promise. I promise. Because he promises When it's all said and done, you won't be disappointed. My husband's life verse is, those who trust in God will not be disappointed. (laughs) And I said, I'm going to borrow that one. It's a good one, honey. (laughs) This is your time. And I love when God allows for time like this at the beginning of a retreat because it allows us, before we hear all the teaching and hopefully... It's going to have tons of nuggets that are just for you. Hopefully, as I said, we're going to hear God speaking specifically to us. We're going to prepare our hearts right now. And I just encourage you, be, pretend like nobody else is in the room. If you cry, I promise nobody's going to notice. If you need a shoulder to cry on, there's going to be some wonderful sisters from the the prayer team that are going to be up here. 
If you want someone to pray with you, they will pray with you. If you want someone to just stand there, I am your gal. I'm so good at just being quiet. I know you're thinking, no way, but I really am. <laughs> this is our time. You know, one of my favorite scriptures in Psalm 62, and it says, trust in the Lord at all times, you people. Pour your heart out before him. Because when we pour our hearts out to him, we're empty and we're able to receive. And the ground is just ready for him to fill. And that's what he wants to do tonight. And so I just want to challenge you, as I've said all these things about who God is and who we are, forget everything. <laughs> and just let Jesus fill your thoughts and your heart. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he chose you. You're his princess. You're the one he delights in. And I want to read you something that is just a scripture I have loved forever, but it just, to me, is a picture of God in his supremacy, but at the same time in his intimacy. And it's from Psalm 18. So you don't have to turn there. I'm, I'm happy to just read it to you. And then I know, Christina, right, you're going to explain the... Robin is going to explain for us um, another little treasure that's at your seat. But this is what I want to read to you. Your King Jesus, your knight in shining armor sitting on that horse... It says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. You're my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. That's so me and so you right now. Just saying, God, I just want to love you. I, want, I see that you're all these things, but listen to him. It says, the pangs of death surrounded me and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. I felt like the errors of shale were surrounding me. The snares of death were confronting me. And in my distress, I said, Lord. And I cried out to God, and he heard my voice from his temple. And my cry came before him. And the earth shook. The foundation and the hills quaked because he was angry. And smoke went out from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. And coals were even lit by his fire from his mouth. He bowed the heavens and he came down. He put darkness under his feet and he rode upon a cherub and he flew upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy all around was dark water and thick cloud in the skies. And from the brightness that were before him, thick clouds passed, hailstones even of fire, and the Lord thundered from heaven. And the Most High uttered his voice. Hailstones and fire, he sent out arrows and he 
scattered the foe, lightnings in abundance, and he vanquished everybody around him. Then the channels of the sea were seen and the foundations of the world were uncovered. At your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. And here's the part I want you to hear. He sent from that incredible, fiery, radical place. And he took me, or you, because we called upon him in our distress. And he drew me out of the water, and he delivered me from my enemy, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my trouble, but God himself was my support. And he brought me into a broad place. He delivered me, and he'll deliver you, it says, because he delighted in me. And he delights in you. This God, who's so great and so amazing that he can put darkness under his feet and ride on the back of a cherub and throw around lightning if he wants to. He knows what you're going through tonight. And I promise, because that's what his word says, if you cry out to him, he'll come to your rescue. He chose you already. You're already his favorite. And he wants you to see. He brought you here away from everybody else. There's no kids to go home to, no work. Because he wants you to know you're the most important thing to him. He chose you. And he didn't just choose you because you're kind of fun and you know, you're going to just be la-di-la for the rest of your life. No, he has something very specific. I can tell you that Africa is the desire of my heart. I can't imagine being anywhere else. I love it. Every day is an incredible adventure. I love the way God allows me to serve him. I have done things I never dreamed were possible just because I said, okay, Lord, here I am. Everything I'm challenging you to do, I've done myself. And he has done exceeding abundantly above all I could ever dream or think. And he's going to do that for you too. Let's pray.